Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. All right, gearheads, welcome to the show. We just got through watching the Formula One Hungarian Grand Prix. And I think it's a, uh, we've had some great races. And this is a great race in a little different way, Les. You know, we had, uh, we had some interesting rain and everything else in some of the, the last couple of races. But this is a great competitive race. It was. It was good. You know, uh, got to say early on, lap one was good. It started off well. There were uh, some, you know, with uh, Botas and Ham getting together, Botas having uh, some just some close calls amongst everybody right at the front. Like I said, that long run to turn one is a big part of it. So uh, started off well. Botas didn't get away unscathed. He was the one that had some wing damage, and that's where matters uh, really just took him to the back on that well i was uh, i was thinking uh could we match the the excitement we've had in the last few races i don't think we can match last week but with with lewis hamilton coming at the coming through like uh i think the graphic you put out on facebook was a shark uh that was really what was exciting so what do we have we had at at let's see what lap it was but there was the gap when hamilton came out of the pit and uh, let's back up a little bit. So essentially, there was about 20 laps to go, right? Yeah. And Hamilton was behind Verstappen, and Hamilton went into the pits, and we all said, whoa, this is a big gamble. But he went onto the medium tires. I thought he might go soft, but he went to the medium tires. So we had 20 laps and a, a roughly 20-second gap, because I think it was 18.8-second gap. And I was watching that math, and I, I kept thinking, it's not going to be enough. He's not going to do it. But I knew that the possibility of those tires falling off for Verstappen. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. The tires fell off. And in fact, yeah, the, the tires fell off. And with three laps to go, Hamilton passed Verstappen actually pretty easily because those tires were done. In fact, Verstappen said, the tires, I can't finish the race on these tires. And he went ahead and pitted because there was a big gap to the Ferraris behind him. Okay, but seriously, uh, hindsight twenty twenty. What would have you done differently for Verstappen? You know, I don't know where they were on track right then, but as soon as Hamilton pitted, if you could have pitted, I think you should have done it. In fact, that's what I was saying. You and I were sitting in the yeah. studio saying, you got to do it. You got to go. But I don't know where they were on track. I don't know where if they, you know, uh, Christian Horner came on the radio, uh, came on the television actually, and said, that we did not have enough gap, that they wouldn't have done it. And so you got to believe that they would have done it. But, man, it, 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 was a, it was a brilliant call from Mercedes because they must have been at just the right spot on the track and everything right. because uh, it, it looks like maybe if they had had a chance to pit, it would have cut it too close. 
course, they you know they set the world record for the pit stop last week. If they could have done that again, maybe they could have made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's something else. They, like I said, we didn't have the knowledge of where the others were on course. Those guys are loaded with so much data. I, I got to say that was probably the best call they could, but still, nonetheless, it was a uh, a tight event there around that. Some of the things that I think went on was uh, Botas was just taken out of contention. His wing was Took damaged. himself out. Well, his wing was damaged in T you know in the T one first lap, and they left him out there a few laps. He was losing two and a half seconds a lap on the field is what they were saying with a damaged wing. And so one, by the time he went three or four laps and came in, that was a substantial, you know, loss. And, uh, they should have come in like they usually do. They come in immediately and get it fixed and keep going. I don't know if they were just paying more attention to ham on this to keep things going. Why did they break what usually seems like a normal protocol, come in and, and get your lap one repairs? I, you know, of. maybe because the damage was so slight. I mean, you saw it on the close-ups. The wing was just barely had a little damage to it. Right. But all that goes back to Botas did it to himself because he had two big lockups on the first lap. Right. And so that, that dropped him back right in the middle of the battle with Ferrari, with Leclerc. And so, you know, he did it to himself. Uh, I, I don't know. It's one of those things. Leclerc, man, what a great drive. Loved watching him battle. He and Seb were busy together several times. But where were they? They they were they were they, almost they were lagging behind. They were but, almost a minute behind at the end of the race. They they were nowhere near the pace that uh, Verstappen and the Mercedes had and Hamilton had because they were they were not even in the race. You bet, you bet. You know, after after all that, they put on a good race between each other. I'll say that. You're right. They they could not yep, you know, reach the point it in. But I am loving what that does with the relationship amongst the Ferrari team. Okay. I think back to that point that uh, we were talking about earlier in the pre-show was is Sebastian rattled by this kid? <laughs> yeah. Lickler? I think he is. I think so. Uh, I think it, it's, it seems less so now because I think he's kind of settled in a little bit and realizing, okay, you know, he has been faster than me, but let's, let's see what I can do about that. Right. So I, I don't, I rattled did not seem the word today for Vettel or last week, really. So, uh, but I think, I think he knows that Leclerc's fast and, and maybe faster than him. But so at the beginning of the race, we had those two big lockups of Botas. That's really what changed everything because that allowed, uh, that allowed Verstappen to get away because when he locked up in front of Hamilton, that put a big gap. And so Verstappen immediately jumped out to about a two and a half second gap. And, and then, um, and then Vettel actually passed Botas and then Botas started dropping back. But, but, but that, but I do agree with your assessment that they probably should have gone ahead and pitted Botas sooner because he did go a few laps and, and then, uh, went ahead and pitted, but then, you know, he was at the very back by that time, you know, well, Okay, so one of the things that I found surprising was that they're 10 laps into the race after Botas gets fixed, 
they come back in and say, you're still good for a P6 finish. Yeah. You're, you're 10 laps off. You haven't even, you know, got anything. And poor guy winds up in 16th. That's a bit off because I don't think he really did anything wrong to make a 10 lap difference. If I were him, next time they come on and tell me that, I'm really going to question it. This is the boy that cried wolf, but you're telling me I can do better than I really can, and I was doing everything I could, and I still wound up 16. You know, one of the ones at the early part of the race was Gasly. We we, uh, were giving him a hard time in the pre-show that he's way off the pace of his teammate Verstappen, and he had a pretty miserable uh, start. start. He dropped to ninth at the beginning of the race. He made it back up a little bit, but he was uh, he was not he did not do a great job at the beginning of the race and dropped to ninth. Uh, but let's see what else happened in the early part of the race. Um, you know, there was <laughs> I was watching the uh, the Haas cars once again, and Magnussen looked looked like he had some something going on at the beginning. Grosjean uh, held his own at the start, right? And then, of course, ultimately ending ending up retiring the car for the sixth time this year. The uh, most most of anybody in Formula One, Grosjean, has retired, and that just continues the. the I didn't disaster. hear anything. I didn't hear or see anything stated about what that retirement is. I didn't either. I hadn't even checked. Uh, okay, I do not want to start conspiracies, but is Grosjean now is uh Haas now looking at their budget for the remainder of the season and if we're not going to be in the points let's just bail on this race yeah I don't know I, I don't know I'm beginning to wonder about that approach that if they're not going to be in the points they're going to cut their investment for the for this race and and just crack open a beer <laughs> yeah go ahead and bring him in well, last week, uh, we had a, a gentleman from Austin here on the show, and we are really excited because we, we had Price Cobb. And if you, if, you're, if you don't know that name, Price has a fantastic racing resume. Not only, he's won Le Mans, he's won many races in IMSA. In all different flavors and styles of cars. That's what's cool. Yeah, and, and so we talked to Price and said, why don't you do this more often? And so he's going he's gonna to start joining us more often, and he just called in right now, and we want to welcome to the show. Hey, Price, how's it going, man? Great, you guys. Thanks again for having me on, and certainly uh, it's always my joy to – Jibber jabber about racing. <laughs> All righty. Well, so hey, we we were we just had a quick comment. Let me answer. So they released that it was a water leak, and uh, thanks, Mister Arkansas, for that for Grosjean. Oh, for Grosjean. Okay. Well, Price, you uh, you got to see the race today. What did you think about uh, that? Especially that battle at the end there with Hamilton and Verstappen. Well, of course, anytime there's actual racing in Formula One, I'm on the edge of my seat. It, before I answer that 100%, we'll ratchet back to when I lived in Spain as a youngster, uh, I was already aware vaguely of automobile racing. They race through the streets of Barcelona, not only Formula One, but endurance cars like Ford GTs, the original ones back in the 60s. So the hook was well and truly set. And there was lots of racing going on. So I'm, you know, F1 is in my blood, no matter how you slice (laughs) it, even when sometimes technology makes it a little difficult to be appreciative. But anyway, let's back up today, fast forward to today. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. My only 2C in the whole deal was, and this is not me judging Red Bull or anyone else, because it's easy to look back on what happened versus 
assessing the situation as it unfolds. Um, I would have pitted when Hamilton did because when when there's particularly when there's only two of y'all that really can contest for the win, you stand nothing to lose to uh, cover the other person. I mean, either if you're in second and and Verstappen had pitted, Hamilton should follow. In this case, Hamilton dove in. They should have pitted the very next lap, and I think it played out that way. But again, hindsight's easy. You know, I said that right at the top of the show, and Christian Horn, you probably heard him. He came on the, the television, and he said we didn't have the gap, but was he just CYA a little bit on that? I don't know, because it looked like right when he pitted, there was a, the gap was over 20 seconds, and they kept talking about the pit stop gap being 19 or 18. So uh, It yeah. got all the way up to 21 at one point. We were saying 21-second uh pit stop durations so that that's a big big change amongst the race and we were saying maybe he was where he where mercedes was where uh verstappen was on the track at the time you think maybe that played into it well you know again guys it's so easy for each one of us to sort of second guess but in this case i you know over my entire career i've always seen it be that let's not you know, let's not add to another guess, meaning the guess would be would Verstappen have tires by the end of the race because gosh knows now we know Hamilton would. So so do you wish to pile on the possibility of another unknown? That's the only reason I say it. I said I've always come out ahead, or, or at least battling, truly battling for the victory when, you know, when I followed the other person in. You know, you flinch, I'm following you. I, I, I mm-hmm. flinch. Uh, you should follow me. It's, it's just one of those things. That's my opinion. After all the years of my racing, particularly in endurance racing, um, I, there's no question. I, I say that, that that's a poor thing to say. There's there was certainly the possibility that uh, the final, if the very next lap Verstappen had pitted, that he would have indeed been behind Lewis. But come on, now you're both on new tires, and it would have been one heck of a battle. Yeah, I you know I, I agree with you. I don't know how you. He he just they just must have thought that they couldn't break the gap. I just that's the only thing I could think of because it seems pretty straightforward to go ahead and and pit with your competitor and like you said level the playing field. So, well, look, nonetheless, it was some exciting racing in uh, with those two guys and in watching that gap decrease. There was also some good racing behind that too, but you know what? Let's go ahead and take our, a quick break now while we can uh, while we can do that, and then we'll we'll come back and, and get your take on some of the other racing that went down uh, down the grid. Price, listen to Speed City live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described 
as Art on Wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, Brendan Hartley. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We just got through watching the Hungarian Grand Prix Formula 1. We have Price Cobb on the phone. And speaking of the phones, if you want to call and join the show, 512-643-5483. We'd love to have your opinion on this. Guys, do you all realize now that with that win that Hamilton is now 10 wins behind Michael Schumacher. Wow. Wow. I you know, I you knew he was closing in on that, but that is I mean, get you know, one more and inside of 10. That's pretty cool. I got to uh, ask. I mean, I mean that's amazing stuff, but I cannot imagine me not paying attention to my my count of races. I can't imagine Lewis doesn't know that to such a prominent name as Schumacher. And <laughs> that's an understatement right there. Such know, a <laughs> the name, you know. And I was like, and you know, he always comes off. I, I, I don't really pay attention to that. Well, you may not pay attention to it during the race, but I will guarantee you that night I'm going to be sitting there going, "Wow, I'm closing in. I only got a few more." But <laughs> uh, hey, Price, I got to ask. So uh, you hear the Jaws music coming? The guy behind you is coming up. 10, uh, what was it, about 10 laps left, Ham goes on to medium, or 21 laps left, Ham goes on to mediums. To me, that is the time that, you know, we did the math, we said, okay, he's definitely going to catch Max. There's a big gap beyond Max. Why not pull Max in and throw him on soft at that moment? What, what are your thoughts and what they're thinking? Well, again, I agree with you and sort of alludes to what we were just speaking about. I, it, it just uh, never forget that it's easy for us to look back and, and question the decisions. But at the same token, I say, why add to the unknowns? If you cover the guy, be, again, you're blinking first as a second-place person, which Hamilton did, or Max following, or, or vice versa. It doesn't matter because at least then, Y'all are leaving the battle to yourselves on the on the grounds of the, you know on the surface of the racetrack instead of oh my gosh you know my tires are so knackered there's no prayer that can hold off the charging Hamilton but and never forget too in this case uh, okay we all agree why well, I, I would say I think we all agree that Verstappen's the next sort of you know major uh, future star if he's not one already Hamilton is. Clearly, you know, you have to say the best in the world, no question about it. May end up being, if he takes the next 10 races, as you mentioned uh, just a few seconds ago, that, you know, he is the all-time best. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, guys. It, it seems to me you, in the situation where it's just you and one other person, why gamble on an unknown? I mean, they didn't, nobody knew how long those tires were going to last for sure. Nobody knew how long the medium tires were going to stay strong. Certainly, both of those guys are good on tires. So, me, as you pointed out, Les, I would have come in. Mm, yeah. I, yeah. I can't hard to argue with. You know, we say no one knows, but the computers at Mercedes were spot on, sounds like, guys, because they, you know, they, they called it right. And, and Hamilton, uh, I mean, look, it was really surprising how easy he passed him at the end there. I guess those tires were, were just completely toast. I mean, he said, 
I can't even finish the race. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the gap was was almost a full minute back to to Leclerc at that point, and right. and uh, I don't know. I guess they didn't have anything to lose, but. Well, so Price, did you happen to see who waved the checkered flag today? I don't know. I if... did, and uh, I still marvel at these young people that travel the world. <laughs> I, I can recall that when I used to race, I traveled enough that I didn't want to leave my home between events. So my hat's off to uh, it was Simone, yeah, uh, Pagano. Yeah, that's and, uh, you, that's the first thing I thought of too. Is like, is he really going to travel that far just to? But I guess he's got the week off, so that's okay. Uh, this is true. <laughs> so, but my, my hat's off to him. But that's that's fun stuff for me. You know, it's fun to see some of the folks that uh, certainly, you, you know, could we ask ourselves, do Simone or any of these guys, have? did they have the talent to run F1? I still say, and this is my opinion, guys, that there are many people uh, in other places that have the talent, but if you're not given the opportunity, and I don't say that negatively, you know, if the door opens, walk through it. If it doesn't, such is life. That uh, I, I have no doubt with the uh, – the team's experience uh, following you or helping you succeed that we could have seen others doing as we see today with the F1 stars. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, you talk about F1 stars and future F1 stars. I think we've, we've watched Max Verstappen. We, you know, everyone was so excited about it the last couple of years and he was so, he was a little bit immature in the way he was racing. But did you guys notice after the race, he was, he said exactly what you'd want your race driver to say in that situation. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't uh, he wasn't upset at all. He was just saying, hey, we had a great race, great team. Max Verstappen is really turning into, I think, you know, I think he is the next superstar. But what about, let's talk about some of the other racing guys, because there was some good racing down. The, the uh, Probably one of the best was, you're smiling, Les, but I'm thinking Kevin Magnuson, Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> Because yeah. that that was definitely what yeah, did you okay so this is great when we've got our, our full blown badass race driver Price Cobb on the phone what did you think about the moves that Kevin Magnuson was making on Daniel Ricardo to keep him behind him you know at first it's easy to go Dosh Garnet that guy should be doing that to Ricardo or the behavior but what he was doing was completely legal you know that K K Mac you know fights harder than anybody. There's no reason for him to give away a position. So, it, again, when you're that far down the grid, we might all argue that's kind of ridiculous. But the same token, I mean, he's a racer. Let's, let's make the assumption that someday he'll be in a car that's faster than the one he's got today. And, and then where does that leave you? Suddenly he's a guy of note like Max Verstappen or, or Lewis Hamilton, guys that fight for every inch of everything they've gained. So, for me... Uh, it was expected. Uh, I would have been if I'd have been in Ricardo's place. I'd have been grinning from ear to ear, you know, laughing every inch of every lap, trying to figure out how to get around him. That's it. You know what? I'm really glad you said that because I feel the same way about Magnuson. I feel like that. I, okay, so maybe a questionable move here or there in the last few years. But if that's if that's the dig on you, is that that you're a really hard racer and that occasionally you'll push it too far. I'll take that all day right. over the opposite. Because you remember last year, at Botas, before the beginning of the year when they were calling him Botas 2.0, Botas <laughs> was the exact opposite. He was a little too – he acquiesced a little too easy. and right. and uh, But I, I'd like Magnuson, and I like that style, and I think that 
I think everybody was watching that too. Well, you, you know, that's why do you think the the F one producers were focusing in on that part of the race? They were they wanted to see what was going to happen, and they knew Magnuson was going to race hard. Sensational stuff, in my opinion. Um, and, and I again, at the end of the day, I respect that Kevin's at least trying harder to leave you know one or two millimeters <laughs> of the of enough room. Because I can reflect back on racing coming up through the years when it was amateur racing, but we were still racing, and we weren't allowed to uh, block or do anything, well, or certainly have contact. And uh, and if you did, no matter what happened, you got penalized with the emphasis on no matter what happened. The That bothered me because that meant the person leading could just do ridiculous moves and keep you behind at all costs because if there was contact, you were done by rule. So... So anyway, fast forward to today, I really respect that he fights hard. At the end of the day, if you get around him, as I believe Ricciardo did, right? I don't recall, Actually, but he didn't. He didn't He didn't, he didn't end up go. ahead of him anyway. Yeah, there you go. I think you're right. It was a long-fought battle, and they were side-by-side side for a while. Anyway, I thought it was sensational. Really respected it. Um, hopefully, it'll move forward with him racing clean now, and uh, let's, let's see some more of it. All right. Well, we got a, a caller on the line. We have we have Paul from Fort Worth. Hey, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you guys doing today? Ah, uh, we're doing good. How are you? I'm awesome. It's a good race today. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. What'd you think? What'd you think of the race? Not as exciting as last week, but it was uh, definitely more exciting than some of the races previously this season. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you have any uh, questions or comments for us or uh, Price Cobb on with us? Well, uh, earlier you guys were ta- before the pre-show. You guys were talking about changes to the rules and everything. And uh, I'd like to see points for the whole field. Hmm, okay. After 10th? Yeah, because then when the, the lower and a half actually comes up, like last week where you had so many of the lower tier teams coming up and finishing high, they would have already had some points and just make the total points a little bit more interesting. You know, I'm not going to say I hate that idea. Just, yeah. I mean, you know, you think about, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's every time that we get a new idea like this, we think through it and go, uh, you know, right now the the way it's set up from a point standpoint, you know, we got, we added the, the point for fastest lap. Well, we got somebody who's been doing this his entire career. Uh, Price, what do you think about points for, for further down the grid? Well, I've been in both situations and it's a tough one and you can make an argument to go either direction at any time. Um, yeah, you know, I certainly feel for the teams that are sort of the back halfers. Um, that's not a negative. That's just a fact. And, uh, you know, if, if the points were to help them financially, I'm all for it. Uh, but otherwise, I, I don't necessarily see where it might actually benefit the end result by the end of the year as far as championship. But I don't want to hear me saying absolutely not. You know, I'm certainly not the sharpest tool in the shed, so sometimes I'm okay with status quo. And a lot of that's because I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> well, Paul, have you been to Circuit of the Americas? Paul, the caller, have you been to Have you been to Coda down here in Austin? Uh, last couple of years, I've gone. Yeah. Well, are you are you coming this year? As of right now, uh, I lost my. Uh, my sister used to help me out with tickets, so this year I'm, I don't have tickets yet. Well, I think that you just uh, you got friends. You, you call the right place because I got a pair of tickets with your name on them to come down here to see the Formula One United States Grand Prix here in Austin at Circuit of the Americas. Awesome. 
So why don't you hold on the line, and I will get our producer to uh, to get your get your number and email and all that stuff, and we'll get you some tickets, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. Well, thanks for you calling bet. in the show. Thanks for tuning Sorry, in for both. Paul. Of, yeah, you bet. Thanks, Paul. Hey, Price. So uh, in the pre-race show, we were talking about uh, qualifications on the on subjectal points. What do you think about adding points around the qualifying mm-hmm. session? Well, again, for me, that's fantastic. Just just like the fastest lap, some people think it's silly, but on the other hand, it's a way of you know so you know so Verstappen's race uh, due to whatever reason didn't work out, meaning their their you know fifty lap to go, heck, fifteen lap to go guess on how it was going to pan out was wrong. So they salvaged something by coming in and going out for fastest lap. Go back to qualifying, absolutely. But it also makes you work harder. Not that these guys are slackers, but it, it just, you know, there's an extra point on the line. Uh, I've seen championships won by a point, so why the heck not? You know, I, what about the less? I thought you had a really interesting idea. What about in qualifying? You know, we're talking about every possible thing to to make Formula One more exciting. Although the last three races have been awesome, yeah, they've done well. But, but what about in qualifying? Uh, where you, instead of just the one fastest lap, maybe some sort of combination of the laps. That What would you say, Les? Average, like, uh, average of your fastest three, maybe? What do you think about that, Price? Well, you know, I was just going to uh, bring back up that you guys may recall, and of course, uh, being the smart guys that you are, I'll leave it in your lap, but it used to be an IMSA racing. There was one year there where in qualifying it was an average of four laps, including a pit stop, and the pit stop demanded that you change one tire. Um, it didn't have to be a new tire, but it could be a tire off, tire back on. At the end of the day, it ended up being too kludgy, but it was exciting as heck while it was happening. Hmm. Um, and, and the kludginess was suddenly somebody's trying so bloody hard, you know, something, there's a failure, there's a crash, there's a, and it, and it really lengthens the whole thing. And, and today with everything being time certain, by that I mean, you know, the schedule is what it is. There's no extending it so folks can still have a life after the event and go home. Um, there, those were exciting times. So averaging out, um, you know, it, it, don't I recall too that doesn't uh, maybe WEC or some other series do that where the, it's a combination of the two drivers or however many drivers, uh, something like that yeah. ringing a bell. Yeah, I think you're right. In WEC, they might do that. I, there, there was something along the, the the combination of the drivers. All right, guys. Well, let's go in and take a break. And we have a caller on the line. If you can hang through the break, we will get right with you. Listen to Speed City Live from Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. 
Hey, beer people, it's Christine Sellers. And I'm Daytona. Sellers Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Sellers doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Sellers White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Sellers, Austin's original craft brewery. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. This is John Massengill sitting in the studio with Les Kaiser. We have... Oh, yeah. Race driver Price Cobb on the phone, and uh, we have a caller calling in from Virginia. We have George. George, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. Good Long morning. What did you think of the race? Um, at first, it's typical hungry. I despise the race. Even when <laughs> I lived there, I lived there for a year. Oh wow! But um, I think Max made a decision today. I think. I think as soon as his contract is up, he's gone. Really? Christian Horner gets gets paid the big bucks for this stuff not to happen. But I don't know if you gentlemen, um, I'm going to use another analogy on what we're seeing right now. I don't know you gentlemen's ages, but I think you might be 90s babies or or whatnot. But this reminds me when Kobe ended up and Jordan was still there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Lewis is is Jordan and Max is Kobe. I mean, and you see – you knew Kobe was going to be a superstar eventually. And the same thing with Max. The only <laughs> thing that's different, though, Kobe became a superstar with the Lakers. I think Max is going to have to leave to really start getting harder. I don't think if even if Lewis left the scene today, I'm not so sure Max will get a title with Red Bull. I might be wrong. I could be wrong on that. Um, but what do I know? I've just been watching F1 for 40-something years. <laughs> um, but I do know when... I do know when relationships reach a certain point that either it's a money thing or it's a resources thing. And I'm not sure the 2019 version of Red Bull has what it takes to overcome a Mercedes, even though 2021 is coming. And, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, F1 always talks about equality. And, uh, you know, giving properties or whoever are equal footing, we all know that's crap. It's all about a handful of manufacturers, always has been. Well, I'm not, so, uh, not going to argue because you never know what will happen in Formula One. Uh, you, you definitely got our birthdays wrong, that's for sure, by a yeah, few yeah. decades. But, but, the, but I'm not going to argue because you never know. That, that There's a reason they call it the silly season, as you know if you've been watching that, that long. And, and Verstappen could easily end up making a move. And it's funny when you said that, I started thinking about how calm he was on the, on the, on the podium and, uh, and, and then the post-race interviews, who knows, maybe, maybe that is in the All cards right. for I'm him. I'm going to, I'm going to push that topic a little more with George. Where would he go, George? <laughs> well, first I want to say less. Um, welcome back. Um, I wanted to talk to you since, you know, you were hobnobbing with the F1 elite at Monaco. <laughs> yes, you know, sir. I listened to that. I thought you, I mean, you was in the paddock. I thought you and Gene Todd was having lunch. 
after you, you signed off. You you were so in the know with the with the movers and the shakers. That's well, thanks, you, buddy. I hope you... he remembers. I hope he remembers us once he um, goes big time. But you Lindsay must know. Coming by American Skier. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, how are you? Oh yeah, don't forget Lindsay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Lindsay too. You know everybody, but uh, you know I'm just joking, man. Congratulations. Hey, man. thanks. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, Mercedes. I think I think I think I think they're gonna ease Botox out, but I don't see Max as a. You know he's not gonna be Rubens Barrichello to Lewis. But I think Mercedes, yeah. like any business, eventually, I think Lewis is going to top. Once he, unless they make the the Schumacher thing, you know, unless they make you know past Schumacher a thing, I think after next season, I think Mercedes is going to make a decision. They can probably say, Lewis, listen, if you want to stay with us, you got to take half the salary or something to that. Where they're going to try to push him out the door. That's just me talking. <laughs> um, what do I know? But I don't. I don't see Ferrari for Max. Uh, I just don't see Ferrari right now. I don't think him and Leclerc. I think that, that I think that become toxic. Hmm. Um, and I I think at first I thought Botox. Okay, Botox got a seat. In the last couple, yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. And I think I, I, I make it quick. I think it, I think it's Mercedes. Um, but I don't know the relationship. I don't know the money behind um, Max. You know, a lot of you know teams bring money. They bring, but he has a fan base. I mean, just look at the, the optics. Alone just shows, you know, Max owns Europe. You know, yeah. Wherever he goes, right. they show up. So, any team that wants him, you know, if, it, if it's Mercedes, I don't know the relationship between the Germans and you know Mercedes and the Dutch. But I don't know all that. But the only trajectory, I think Ferrari's a work in progress right now. Hmm. I don't think it's all. I don't think it's all on Vettel. I think it's some internal things. I know they pulled the guy from. Um, they brought the guy from. Um. um I'm having a brain, whatever. With Kimmy's team right now, they brought him in to be okay, executive right. director or something like that. So I think Ferrari's a work in progress. So the easy answer is Mercedes. Well, I I think that's I think it's plausible. I think you're right, Botas. I mean, he showed it this morning. He locked up twice on the first lap, and he's not the first. He crashed out last week. I know that last week was a an anomaly, but but he just, he did crash, and he has had a few mistakes. I mean, I think Botas is a great driver, but. I think Max is in a class by himself. Well, George, thanks a lot for calling in, man. We really appreciate it. We love your insight, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Absolutely, buddy. Great day. Take care. Have a great day. All right. Hey, Price Cobb, what do you think about uh, what do you think about that assessment of uh, the driver chess game? Yeah, the driver well, chess I mean, game. You know, I have my my hats off to George because that was exactly what I was thinking about a race and a half ago, and hmm. he really nailed it with the word resources. So, and this is not me putting myself on the level of any of the people that we talk about, but there was an opportunity in my life when one of the manufacturers knocked on the door. Oh, okay, they rang me up on the phone, a little bit not as cool. But anyway, um, you know, I, I chose to walk away from probably one of the most spectacular teams in the history of uh, United States endurance racing. And it all was because of one thing. I owed it to myself to race for a manufacturer who literally has unlimited resources. Hmm. I, don't, I don't care how much money you have, so Red Bull clearly has money. But think about it. Think about the sheer enormity of the machine called Mercedes yeah. versus the race team called Red Bull. Now, that's not a slam on anybody. Look what Red Bull's done as 
you know, we could all argue the underdog against these mighty manufacturers. And I mean that sincerely, Jen. So, so back in, oh, heaven forbid, 90, I guess, uh, at Le Mans, you know, we, we, by that I mean the team. So I, I'm throwing myself in this we just because it feels good. The team <laughs> identified an issue with the gearboxes on all five cars Friday night. They took all the gears out, measured them, found that uh, on a whole, the stack, that means all the gears stuck, you know, one on top of each other and measured as a height end-to-end, were slightly larger than the dimensions had called for, yet each gear individually Mm -hmm. fit the drawing. You know, there's always a tolerance because things are man-made, right? Mm -hmm. So so they noticed that every car was running three to five degrees F hotter, in that week's testing than they'd ever run, and for no reason. So they took all the gears out, flew them to England, remachined them that night, flew them back, and we won the race. So <laughs> that's the resources that I'm talking about, things that other people can't do. But even then, that's only scratching the surface. So that's just somebody being smart. But I'm, I'm with George on this. Uh, Max, you know, again, we can reflect back on the, 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 the sheer might of Red Bull, certainly during the Vettel days, uh, but come on, man. And the other thing, too, is not to, not to move away from this quickly, but let's talk about not only is Vettel just the phenom behind the wheel, Vettel, I'm sorry, not only is Lewis Hamilton the phenom behind the wheel, but he makes good decisions about where to place himself, what is the next best team. And sadly, guys like Alonso have never been able to do that. You know, So we'll never truly know how good Alonso was. Um, what can I say? So I know I digress, but anyway, I'm with George on this. I'd be surprised if Verstappen doesn't make that move. Uh-huh. Hey, so uh, Bryce, this weekend, another name, very familiar name, reached podium in F2. Mick Schumacher. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He won the race, didn't he? He won it. I know. He wins his F2 race there. Uh, is he in a position to start being considered uh, within a season, maybe two seasons of F1 seats? Well, you know, we could all, it used to be that we would, I would easily say, yeah, he's not mature enough. But but people like Verstappen have proven that that's kind of a silly thing to feel anymore. And a lot of it, I think, is because of the sheer volume of on-track and off-track training these guys get. And by off-track, I mean in simulators. So... So we could ratchet back to the young man that came and lived with me for seven years, having never raced anything in his life but been on a simulator, never been a cart, nothing. And I flat turned their, his parents down, this won't work, it'll never happen. Three years later, he was driving for Joe Gibbs. Now, since then, he's moved on with his life. But the point being that there's so much to be had. So we can all stand back and say, hey, you know, until the man's in his mid-20s, mid to late-20s, he doesn't have the ability as, as a young human to have the knowledge to go off and whip up on the people, the, the Lewis Hamiltons of the world that have, you know, a huge uh, life behind the wheel of an F1 car or just life in general. But I, but today, Les, John, I, I don't think we can say that anymore. So I would say that if Mick feels in his heart and if there's people at Ferrari or wherever whom will still hold his hand, and I say that in the, the best sense, you know, helping hand, uh, I, I have no doubt he can succeed. Mm. He's 20 years old. That's yep. uh, older than a lot of the ones we've seen on grid. And I've seen exactly. Yeah, and I and I've seen him in interviews and he is super mature. I mean, think of think of the the limelight and all of uh, you know everybody looking at his last name and the scrutiny and everything that he's had. And we were talking about him last year 
about how well he was doing. Jonathan Green has been saying it, man. You need to watch him, not because of his name, but because of his his race craft. And he has looked good. He looks good, and uh, you know he does. He, he's good in interviews, so he's very mature. You know, I it's funny when you were talking about that. I was picturing we were talking about Ferrucci, Santino Ferrucci, and, and his lack of maturity last year in Formula Two. But you know, everybody kind of fits where they where they end up a lot of times, and that and Ferrucci and IndyCar, I love where he is, and because I, I, the the post race interview, or um, I think it was when they had a rain delay, or it was right. pre race actually, and he was great. He was you know no, it was a post race because he was talking about how he was racing hard and he was shooting the finger and and uh, and it's it's good entertainment, and he's a good race driver. He's obviously very physically talented. And you know, and he's young too. I think he's like twenty or twenty-one yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, Mick. I mean, you know, uh, he's definitely on the radar. He's in the Ferrari Driver Academy as of the beginning of this year, and so I know they're paying attention to him. All right. Well, guys, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Hungarian Grand Prix because there's a couple of a couple of stories that yeah, I know you're smiling less because I want to talk about them too. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. When we see a beautiful car pass by, we always seem to use a hand signal. The classic thumbs up, the point and shoot six gun finger, the hang loose thumb and pinky combo. If you've ever flashed one of those, now there's a car club for you. Introducing the Haggerty Drivers Club with exclusive members only events, insight on buying and selling, the Haggerty Magazine and roadside service. The Haggerty Drivers Club gives you a big thumbs up. So keep flashing those fingers. Same to you. Uh, just not that one. Join the Haggerty Drivers Club at Haggerty.com today. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jayleno'sgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, we are excited to have Price Cobb with us on the phone. Price is a former race driver, former winner of Le Mans. But these days, he's doing something really cool. I got to mention it. He's given us all this, this uh, fantastic insight. Price is uh, one of the owners of uh, Austin franchise, a tread connection, where you can get your tires put on no matter where you are. He comes to you. He sends one of his trucks over and swaps out your tires. You can be at, at, the, at the golf course if you do something as ridiculous as four hours of wasted uh, time and energy or walking you... around in goofy shorts with crooked <laughs> sticks. Yeah. Oh, no! Oh, I've played golf with that man with got with Jonathan green. And yes, it's exactly <laughs> what you would expect. Golfing with Jonathan is, is one, one of life's things that you must put on the bucket list. He, he's actually not a bad golfer, but the entertainment value is way beyond your normal golf. But, 
But Price, uh, it sounds like you were busy this weekend with Trade Connection. Yeah, guys. First of all, I appreciate your mentioning it because this is, uh, you know, what can I say? It's a race show, and I love it. But having been involved in tires all my life, I thought, you know, if I'm going to sort of slow my roll, as it were, I'd still like to be involved in the automobile world. And what was easier than having uh, joining my friends out of North Carolina and purchasing a franchise? So yeah, very, very busy. Uh, I, I can only wait or can't wait until we have more than one van uh that i've already ordered another one so the day's coming when people finally realize that they don't need to waste their lives to get their tires changed so it's good (laughs) what i love is is something you said the other day normal people going about their normal lives but avoiding waiting rooms that's awesome yeah well hey price (laughs) i want to ask you about some of some of the best racing less than hour just eating it up during the race is when the uh, toro rosso cars were going about it and and I think was it you, Les, or was it the television commentators talking about that they need to the uh, Gunther Steiner needs to record that <laughs> yeah. and play that? For Listen, the... boys, this is how you race your exactly. teammate cleanly. <laughs> hey, so at, at you know being a, a former race driver, how did those conversations go with teammates like that? Well, for us, it was just known certain terms. If you you know if you don't play nice, uh, then you're off the team. There, there was never any of the sort of I hate to continue to use the same word, but niceties by guys like Gunther Steiner. Uh, maybe the contracts don't allow him to, to say you're out of here. But when we were racing, there, you know, you came on board with that in writing before you joined the team. Huh. You know, they have too much invested, and certainly in a long distance race, it's back to the the proverbial. So many people, and it's sort of this is going to be a little bit of diversion from your direct question. But at the end of the day, people, you know, talk to me about racing, and I said the the strategy is that you do nothing. Uh, you're always using a scale. In other words, if I make this move now, let's say on you, John, uh, what were the possibilities of the result? Do they outweigh the negativity? So, so, so for me, at the start of the race, why do I need to do anything? So long as I have, see the leaders somewhere, I can see them. I just need to drive around for a while because maybe even in the pits I'm going to pass them without having ever risked anything. But when you get down to the last lap or so, you know, the scales so outweigh anything else. I don't care what you do because, uh, you know, short of hurting somebody, it's it's uh, what you do. It's what you're paid to do. Let's go out and win the race. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're probably right. It's probably There's probably some contra- contract issues that, uh, that dictate some of those decisions. But, man, it sure ought to be something along those lines, uh, you know. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna run bleachers is what used to happen to me in football if you're doing something <laughs> yeah. stupid like that. But I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, you know, something else besides that that I thought was interesting to me, and this is a, an old guy bringing it up, and out of respect for some of the guys I used to know, even even from the sidelines at Porsche. So, so I'm an old McLaren fan. Uh, I'm not a McLaren nut, but I'm a McLaren fan. So, so let's reflect on how relatively poorly Ferrari's doing today. Okay, we realize they finished third and maybe even fourth, but look how far back they were. Then let's look at where McLaren was last year, even the year before, compared to where they are today. If any team is moving forward, it's them. That, to me, is part of the excitement of F1. And they brought Andres or Andreas Seidel in from Porsche. He's made a heck of a difference. But still, you have to... You know, whether you like Zach Brown or not, you have to say, you know what, you're one of the guys that made these decisions, so my hat's tipped to you. Yeah, aren't we all a little bit of a McLaren fan, though? You know, I think no There's matter. There's something cool about uh, it. Well, and yeah. Bruce McLaren's story is an awesome one. And, and then, Absolutely. And then the road cars. The little, that has a little influence on Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about some of the radio. We didn't get some of these radio clips, but my favorite radio clip of the whole day was when Hamilton's radio clicked on and the engineer said just very nonchalantly, just kind of like, he said, 
he said, and I wrote down exactly, he said, just close right up to Verstappen. Just like, <laughs> just like, just simply close, close that 18 second gap, yeah. you know? Right. Oh, thanks, mate. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a great idea. You know, try to catch the guy in front of me. And a couple other ones where, um, uh, one at the end was when Verstappen said, tires are dead, period. And that was on 64, and that was before Hamilton caught. And and you know what? Now that thinking back, I wrote that down on lap 64. It was lap 67 when he passed him. So at that point, that's when the tires literally fell off a cliff. Right. Because he was going, you know, there was a, there was a time when Verstappen, you know, maybe, and Price, let me ask you this. You know, at the, right when, after the pit stop, when Hamilton stopped, there was the 18-second gap he had to make up, and he wasn't making that up mathematically. It looked like it wasn't going to happen. In fact, it didn't even look close. So, obviously, Verstappen was pushing really, really hard. Do you think that Verstappen could have pushed a little less hard and stretched it out and made that gap so a little more linear? So the gap decreased very, you know, very linear by the same amount each lap and then held on. Do you think that could have happened? Well, I mean, clearly uh, any of these scenarios could have happened. I think it gets back to the lack of knowledge of the behavior of the tires under that exact sort of race. But it uh, it's a good one to put to point out to you guys. Uh, you nailed it in that uh, Lewis wasn't making enough headway, you know, at first to matter. Uh, you know, maybe a second a lap. Well, he was always you know. I made a note as you, as did you. Every lap down, you know, so 15 laps to go, he had 15 and a half seconds. Mm -hmm. 12 laps to go, he had 14 and a half seconds. So, you know, if anything, you'd say the per lap reserve was greater with 12 laps to go. And then, like you said, it fell off the face of the earth. The only thing I would say to young Max is, as a human, anytime you tell yourself all is lost, well, truly all is lost. So that that doesn't mean that that I'm not trying to say I wouldn't have been lost. So this is never me passing judgment. I just know that as humans, we all you know uh, react differently to certain words and and external in, input. So that's also too why the guys on the radio are generally very calm and uh, encouraging with their words, so that you don't fall into this. I I can't do this because when you say that to yourself, all is lost, whether it is or not. Yeah. But, you know, you also heard the, the same from Hamilton right after the pit stop. Yeah, you, yeah. you could hear it in his voice. He was His voice was shrill, and he was like, I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can make this gap up. And he did not sound confident in his team. And, you know, it just goes to show even somebody that's won as many races as Hamilton has, he still needs that, that, that radio calm, hug. Yep, that, that calm, soothing voice over the radio. Uh, another radio good one was Verstappen's radio, and it was – I think it was probably, it was between 64 and 67. It was probably 65 or 6, and it was right before he got overtaken. He said, I, I know when it was. It was right when Hamilton just was right on top of him. And the radio, they came over the radio and said, if you have four laps of overtake left, you know, I was envisioning, right. I was envisioning a push to pass almost. Right. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody's privy to what that information is, but, uh, but he had that, but that, I thought that was interesting. Another good, uh, another good radio transmission, but. But what about some of the other race guys? Les, you talked about Lando Norris. Lando Norris, I mean, just really looked good. I, I liked how he, you know, did several things. Uh, side by side racing was was fantastic for Lando when he was running through it. But he got bit by his own team with a bad tire change pit stop, cost him probably a second and a half or two seconds, and so that would have brought him 
closer up to Botas. And, uh, you know, I, I think kind of when you see the back end of that car up ahead, I think you get that own personal burst of energy to go after it. That could have been a difference for uh, Norris on that one. Yeah, Lando Norris continued to look good, man. He's looked good all season. And, uh, you know, we were talking in the pre-race show. Price, we just got about about a minute left. But I just want to ask you about some of these other young drivers. You know, we've been talking about Verstappen and Leclerc. Uh, what about some of the other young drivers that you've been keeping an eye on? Well, certainly my my big concern is Gasly because in raw pace, in the right yep. place, meaning team, what have you, the guy's a barn burner. Uh, but sometimes, and maybe this is a reflection on Red Bull, uh, and it's back to the whole deal, and both of you all have ta- touched upon this earlier, that part of the game, if you will, is to make sure that the driver, uh, again, as just another human, uh, feels as welcome as he can under all circumstances. And I say, if you've made a choice to cut him, do it with the precision of a scalpel so at least you get his 100% all the way up until then. There's nothing worse, and, and, and again, do I know this is the case for Gasly, uh, if, if he has doubts. There's no prayer that he'll ever rise to the top if indeed we all believe he, he belongs there. And I, I think he does, too. I'd like to see more of... Um, uh, what's young man? Giovinazzi? Is that his name? Yeah, Giovinazzi. Yeah. Yeah. He only because he came on, you know, storming onto the deal, and and okay, maybe the car's just not that good, but it is tough. I'm I'm obviously proud of the old man uh, Raikkonen to continue to show his. Hey, Price, we we got to run, buddy. We got we got to we got to run. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. Check out our website, SpeedCityBroadcast.com, and check out our uh, our regular Sunday night shows. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.